Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. And whether you've tuned in to elevate your mindset, your game, or just your day, you are in the right place. My guest this episode is a former Division I basketball player. He's coached basketball players at just about every level. He's worked for the Nike Elite Camps and for Drew Hanlon with Pure Sweat Basketball. His focus has always been on total player development, and I really enjoyed this conversation. Please welcome to the Elevate Podcast, John Beck. Thanks for having me. Excited to have you on. Uh, share a little bit about uh, yourself, I, I guess, to start. You're a former college basketball player yourself, but can you take us kind of from your journey from kind of student athlete to, to what you do now? Yeah. So uh, you want me to go back to high school or just college or whatever's sure. easy, guys? I played played high school basketball and then uh, played college basketball for four years at Arkansas State University. Um, and then coached you know I've coached pretty much everything from girls boys middle school high school JV junior high AAU uh, boys and girls and then uh, 2016 has kind of went into training full-time and been doing that ever since I worked with pure sweat basketball for a little over four years and now I'm just kind of doing it on my own in northwest Arkansas and um, it's been a been a huge blessing just do what I love, you know, full-time and, and make it my, you know, full-time profession. Yeah. And uh, kind of on that journey, was there a coach that was ever kind of the biggest impact or kind of inspiration to you that kind of. Man, I've been asked that before and it's just, it's so many coaches, so many teachers, parents, fr- you know, friends, parents. I mean, there's, I, I can't name just one because there's so many, if you look back and think, I think that's everybody, um, you know, my grandmother was kind of my first big coaching impact because she was a high school volleyball coach. And so I kind of grew up in the gym with her and just being around, you know, uh, a bunch of high school volleyball girls, but she was an old strict, you know, disciplinarian coach and actually is in the Missouri hall of fame. Um, was a really successful coach. And so just kind of being around her, I think that's probably my biggest coaching influence, but man, there's, there's just so many, too many to name. Sure. When you were a player, was there a time when you were like, yeah, I kind of want to go into coaching or, or what kind of led you down into, uh, you know, not being a, a real estate guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which I do own a few Airbnbs, so I kind of am a real estate guy. All right, there you go. I never thought I would say that. <laughs> but, um, but no, I mean, there was never really, you know, I, I would say again, my grandmother. Um, I, I think being a student of the game, though, when I started really falling in love with basketball, I was probably seventh grade. I just thought, man, I want to be the best player I can be. So I just started studying, you know, coaches, even in, in, in high school, you know, I would read books, um, you know, John Wooden books. I would read Pat Head Summit books. I can remember, you know, reading Slam Magazine back when it was so, you know, they had so many articles about different players around the country and always just been a student of the game. So I don't think there's any just one major, you know, influence or, or a time that I said, man, I just want to do that. I think just really trying to be the best player I could be turning into learning as much about the game as possible. And then it ended up, you know, I could, I could coach this thing too. And so, I mean, we always want to play forever, but then it's like, okay, if I don't want to, if I can't play anymore, it's like, what else can I do? I got, I got a coach. And so. Right. I love it. Um, 
I know you take a holistic approach. Um, how do you kind of look at that and, and define that, you know, when you working with players and bringing in that, the holistic athlete instead of, you know, just a basketball player? Yeah. So again, I just think it's, you know, being a resource on and off the floor life. You know, I've been at, uh, for the last two days, they have a local, um, junior high girls camp and a local high school girls camp. So I've been there all morning. I literally left 1140, came straight in my apartment doing the podcast with you and I'll, and I'll head back. But just, you know, those girls that I train, it's like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm coming to your camp games. I'm seeing what you're doing with your, you know, how you're interacting with the parents, with the coach, you know, what's your body language like? There's just so many things besides just you coming into my workouts you know, whether it's individual, small group, whatever. And so I think just being there through them, through all the ups and downs, um, you know, on and off the floor, it's it's so much more. I think a lot of coaches and, and uh, even players think, you know, I got to get physically better, but there's so much of the game that's – it's it's so mental. And if you're not practicing all the mental and, and you know, just being there for them through the ups and downs of even summer camp, I mean, it's the uh, – um, you know, the kind of the NBA started it and then it, it's went to college. It's a, it's a high, you know, it's now it's become the, the high school portal, if you will. And yeah. so, you know, coaches are kind of one bad conversation or one bad interaction with a player away from a player taking off and leaving. And so I think just being that voice of reason through the ups and downs of summer camps of, uh, you know, everything throughout the year um, and, you know, holistically, obviously it's, it's much more than even that, but yeah. Just the total person, you know, first, and then the player, you know, obviously comes in way after that, way down the line. When it kind of comes into that, uh, I'm sure you get asked a lot during that kind of recruiting process and that journey. Um, is there some advice that you find yourself, you know, giving kids or, or you know, questions you advise them asking in that process um, as they're looking for maybe to play somewhere else at the next level? Yeah. So are you just asking, you know, if so, ask that again. It's just uh, any kind of uh, there. <laughs> advice uh, that you you give uh, young players as they're kind of, you know, exploring or looking at kind of just wherever they're at in that recruiting process. Is there things that you kind of tell them to look for? I mean, being that coaches and relationships are so important, um, you know, to look beyond just maybe the school or the gym or the program. What kind of things do you have them talk to athletes about? Yeah, it's, you know, I could go down so many different rabbit holes with that, but there's a local coach that, you know, their player um, getting starting to get recruited by several different, you know, colleges. But it's like, you know, we like this this D2 coach, you know, even though she's got these D1 offers. And it's because, you know, the player, the, uh, you know, she loves the coach, kind of looked like her, was a point guard, small girl that played at the college level. And, and um, so the relationships – is so important, but I had another conversation with the coach the other day that it's not like it used to be, you know, it used to be in college where you take years, literally years of building this relationship. Yeah. Now with the transfer portal, it's like, man, we don't need to build years of relationships with high school players. We can just build a conversation, you know, a couple times over the phone for a week or two and we can get this player. And so the landscapes change. It's easy to have those old school conversations about what it was like when we were there but it's just so it's such a different landscape and it changes literally every day. And I, I, I sit down and count, I put it on a note card the other night. I have nearly 30 players just in the area, Northwest Arkansas that will play for a different junior high school next year. 
mm-hmm. not high school, junior yeah. high school. Yeah. And, it, and because of, well, we're, we're looking down the road to who they're going to play for in high school. And we're looking at, well, this, you know, they don't like this teammate. This girl's getting too many shots. Well, this guy, he's, you know, kind of an a-hole. He, I don't think he's going to like playing with him. So we're changing schools. It's, it's such a different landscape. I mean, yeah. back in my day, it was like, you played that junior high, you're going to play at that high school. You're going to, you know, and so it's, it's so different, but um, you know, I think trying to inform parents of the process, trying to get them to go to as many, you know, you're recruiting the schools just as they're recruiting you and going, getting on campus and being around the coaches, being around the players. But again, those players and coaches can change just like mm-hmm. that. And it does. Yeah. So, um, you know, again, I always try to tell players, if you got hurt and you never play basketball again, would you be happy going to that, that school, being in that city, get, getting that degree from that school? Um, you know, does it have a major? Does it have? And again, that that being said, how many kids are going to change their major? Fifteen. I, I changed mine three times. In <laughs> Fair. And so, yep, yep, like, yep. you know, it's it's. I just look through a different lens when it comes to all that stuff. And even if you think you've checked every box and you made the right decision, it could end up being the wrong decision. And so, um, you know, I'm very open minded when it comes like that. I don't give just this black and white advice. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm like, man, it, it, you just. The, the bigger thing is be able to take you sports to ch- kind of take the road. And when all those bumps and, and bruises and turns and stuff out of nowhere and coaching changes and all that stuff comes, man, you're ready because you're able to adapt and yeah. just, you know, find solutions. So I think it's a lot more important to, you know, forget about this black and white, you know, advice of you got to do this, you got to do that. This is the way I did it. This is the way so-and-so did it. Make your own path and be able to kind of, interact with people and change and, and just be able to, again, kids these days, no problem solving ability. I mean, they are, they're looking for somebody else to try to solve problems and like be able to be able to adapt and find solutions. And I promise you, somebody will hire you. You'll be your own businessman, your own businesswoman. Like there's, there's endless possibilities. If you can take the hits, stay positive and find solutions. Yeah. And I love what you said. I think that's one of the things that always, uh, comes up when I talk to kids is tragedy, injury, or otherwise, would you still go to school there? And I don't know how many athletes have looked at me, even some just returning from a visit and being like, no. And I'm like, well, like, well, when you're not playing sports, that's where you're going to be on that campus. You're going to be there. And so, you know, and I think that's just part of, like you said, I think kids, right. There's some problem solving, not going on figuring out which school to go to is, is a tough challenge slash problem. Right. And, and, and I think so getting, helping them, them navigate that. And like you said, giving them tools and questions and get the parents involved in that process. Um, if I gave you a, a magic wand, we, we've changed the, just talked about basketball and, and how it's changed. And um, if I gave you a magic wand and you could change something for the better with what you see um, in youth and high school basketball, what would you wave the wand and, and wish upon all those players out there? There's a million things. Are you talking about just the players? Yeah, yeah. If you could anything, it's your magic wand. Do what you want. If you well, could. I would, I would, uh, man, I could go down a million different rabbit holes. Um, you know, I'll start with coaches. And I think coaches can, I think there's just, I think there's so many traditional, you know, coaching. Uh, principles that have just kind of stood the test of time and everybody thinks that's the way, that's the best way. Um, and so that's, that would be a magic wand is, is try to change the landscape of, of how people coach, how people interact with players. 
um, you know, how they structure their practices from the parent standpoint, I could, I could magic wand the parenting, um, and just try to, you know, I, I just watched camp the last few days. I mean, we ha- I had parents um, from an opposing, you know, team literally berating, screaming, taunting a seventh grade girl. That's a really good player. Uh, that's going to be eighth grade girl. And, you know, and not just to mention the other, but their own kids, you know, the stuff they say, the stuff yeah. they scream at fans, that they're trying to coach them. They're trying to, you know, you got kids that make plays and they look at, they look at their parents immediately. Yep. And it's like, that's just, it's, it's just so many things that, you know, from a parenting that I would, that I would change. And then from a player standpoint, I mean, again, you can go down a million different rabbit holes, but um, I think just, you know, maybe seeing the big picture instead of just thinking about the right now, you know, like, again, we got yeah. junior high transfer in schools because of their playing time or because of so-and-so's getting more shots or because of they don't, they don't want to play for this high school coach in three years. It's like, you don't even know what tomorrow holds. How are you going to, you know, we will worry about three years from now, but um, just, just trying to be able to live in the present, um, but also see the big picture, you know, and again, go into any of those in depth, but if I had a magic wand, that was kind of, that would be kind of the start, I guess you'd say. I like that's a good start. And I, I like that you brought up the, the big picture because I think, you know, being, you know, as old as I am, when I look back, it was like, man, I could only think about the next sports season, right? Like what's next baseball, basketball, football, like what's the next season? Um, let alone, I don't think I, we really ever thought of, you know, what am I, who am I going to play for in three years? <laughs> and I think that, how do you think, uh, or how do you help, you know, athletes, you know, maybe they feel that parent pressure or the expectations, and I say, hey, if you're going to compete, you're going to play at a high level, you're not going to get rid of expectations and pressure. Like they're, they're going to be there, right? We're going to create our own because we're competitive athletes. Um, but how do we get those into a healthy range? I think, you know, how do you um, yeah. mix those expectations and pressures with, you know, equipping kids with the right skill sets? Because there's going to be some good and some disappointment, right? Oh, yeah. I, and I think it goes back to, you know, building great habits and, you know, not placing everything on the outcome, you know, just placing everything on the process. And I know that's the most used phrase in in the world, but it's like, instead of setting these goals unrealistically, it's like, what do people that are really successful, what are their habits and what, you know, when they do hit failure or hit these big bumps in the road, like how do they reframe their mind into thinking? Um, I can't remember the book I read a couple of years back, but it talks about professional, you know, some of the best professional athletes and how they can make a mistake, hit a bump. And it literally takes, you know, one to three minutes to reframe their mind, totally reframe it. And so, and then you got other people that it may take, you know, three to five days, three to five months, I mean, to reframe your mind after a big setback. And so I think just, you know, building great habits, not tying everything, you know, to the result, to the outcome. And then, um, you know, again, just keeping that, keeping that open mind and being able to reframe when you do, you know, hit all these, all these failures. And I think, you know, there's a million different ways to help kids with that. You you got so many resources of reading books, you know, YouTube, whatever it is, but um, you know, listen to people that have been there, done that, but also again, you know, find your own way. And, and I think a lot of it goes back to just building great habits and not being tied to the, to the outcome, to the result. I love that. Uh, you've worked with, you know, like you said, all levels, you you know, pure sweat, seen some of the best, best players in, in basketball as well. Um, 
what, what's something that you've seen that separates when you've seen, uh, you know, uh, the great players work out? What are some observables that you're like, that's what makes the greats great? Well, just, I mean, their intensity, number one, but they're also players that are really good players. I'm not going to name names, but, you know, they're inconsistent with their workouts. They have bad days. They have things that come up out of nowhere. I mean, we had a guy, you know, one year literally got robbed the night before the workout. I mean, he comes in, he's just rattled. Um, I mean, a a face-to-face interaction, you know, in Los Angeles. And it, it, you know, as far as, you know, what separates them, it's – not a whole lot. I, I tell high school players, like, if you really have a passion for improving and you come in, you really want to come in and, and improve, it, it's no different than a Zach Levine than a Bradley Beal than a Jason Tatum than a Joe LMB. Like, those guys want to come in. They don't want to BS around. They want to get in, get better, get out. And it's very focused. It's very intentional. There's no waste of time. And high school players, junior high players, can have that type of mindset. Now, is it going to be – obviously, it's going to be very different. Sure. But – it's also the same where they just want to come in, get better, get out. And so you can have that professional habits and professional mindset, regardless of how good you are as a player. Yeah. Uh, obviously they're, they do it at a very high level. Right. Um, you know, again, intensity, I think the, the ability to focus, to stay present, to, you know, be very intentional about the workouts. There's no wasted time, wasted reps are not in there. You know, it's like, Hey, I want to get in here and I want to get out here. Obviously the schedule is a little different, right? They got to go to, you know, yoga at two and sand dune sprint uphills at four <laughs> and another shooting session at 6 p.m. But at the same time, um, you can you can build professional habits. You can do the little things, get there early, you know, be on time by being early, getting loose, getting your mind prepared, getting your body prepared, whatever it is that's your self ritual. You know, you can build those kind of habits and mindsets, um, you know, for players. But you got guys that come in right on time and then they kill the workout, too. So it's yeah. like, again, I, I try to keep an open mind. You try to talk to people about those those things. But at the same time, you know, I played with a guy in college who um, I, I wouldn't say he did the uh, off-the-court stuff, you know, really well. I would say he he didn't sleep well. He uh, probably dabbled in some things he shouldn't have been dabbling in. But when we played Mississippi State, he'd have 30 points. And yeah. so – and I'd be the guy that did everything right, did everything. And, then, you know, I played 14 minutes. Yeah. And so, again, it's about results. At the end of the day, it's going to be about results. But I always try to talk to players about, too, the professionals are the reason they're professionals is because, you know, they probably had a lot of a lot of more of the good habits, you know, a lot more of the good, you know, principles. And because you'll meet a day, there will come a day when, you know, you're going to go up against a guy that's doing all the right things and he's just as talented as you are. And so you give yourself a lot better chance, you know, with the with the great habits. Yeah, yeah. Kind of compounding on that habit conversation, you know, young kid playing a lot more games, you know, probably, you know, sometimes less practice time playing a lot of tournaments. Um, what kind of things can athletes do uh, to make sure that they are, you know, recovering? And I think, you know, taking care of themselves and, you know, have some self-preservation and, you know, that they don't physically or mentally get burnt out because they're not, you know, recovering well. I think, again, something that the best do very well um, and, and are intentional about where sometimes our, our younger athletes, it's go, go, go. And then we face something that we're not not used to. Yeah. And so, you know, again, I, basically don't be like the late, great Kobe Bryant. You know, you can you can sit there and you can be like Kobe and just kill yourself, mama mentality, never take a day off. Um, you know, I don't think there are many high school players that even 
do that though. Sometimes I think we're like hold back, don't do as much, but you, when you really break down what they're doing day in and day out, I don't think it's nearly enough. Now there are some outliers um, and there are a lot of things you can do with those kind of kids. Um, you know, you recommend time off, whether it's one day, two days a week, whatever it is, it depends on the player, but you know, prehab um, had to speak to a, a group of f- human performance people at Stanford a few months back. Yeah. And, I said prehab and they all love that prehab. I never heard of that. And I'm like, well, that's just what I used to call it. You know, it's, I stayed when I was Arkansas state, um, I only missed two games my entire career in one practice, dislocated shoulder my senior year. And, but I was also the guy that lifted weights and I would go into the training room all the time. I was never injured, but I was always in the training room and it was, I called it prehab. It's strengthening the ankles, strengthening the wrist, strengthening, you know, just trying to make sure that, I was bulletproofing my body as much as I could so I wouldn't get injured because nothing worse. You know, I had a lot of ankle sprains in high school and I just, it's nothing worse for a really competitive athlete to be, be injured. And so, you know, the weight room, um, I'm, I've, I've started the, uh, TikTok ice bath frenzy that everybody's doing Started <laughs> yeah, yeah. At new year's Eve. I started that hadn't missed a day. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I got some of my players that even come over and do ice baths in my apartment. So, there, there's so many ways to recover. Um, a lot of physical therapy friends, I send players to go in there and take care of, you know, the ice, the stem. But the biggest thing is trying to keep your body strong and, and all the basic stuff. Eat healthier foods, drink lots of water, get great sleep. And it's so easy to say that to high school kids. And it's like, but you really start logging it. I, I've had some kids, I say, hey, I want you to log this. I want you to log oh, what yeah. you eat in the day, not nearly enough calories. And it's like, you realize that you're, I mean, not nearly enough protein. Well, I'm trying to build muscle. It's like you ate 26 grams of protein in the entire day. Yeah. I used to have that what, yeah. in the middle of the night when you woke up to pee. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like having a yeah. protein shake. But there are so many ways that – and kids just don't know. They've never been, you know, educated on those kind of things. Yeah. Um, and so when it comes to, you know, preventative and, and the rehab stuff, taking time off, you know um, – Stretching obviously is very important. Flexibility, strength is very important. You know, being able to move your body through ranges of motion, explosively, um, and then you know all the all the stuff, the the ice baths, the um, you know you talk to your athletic trainer, your physical therapy, foam rolling. I mean, I, I, I tell players all the time there wasn't an NBA pro that didn't come in with his own foam roller, not one. I mean, at pure sweat, we're out there and every guy come in foam roll. I mean, they do it for 10, 15 minutes, and it was like. You guys will come in and just think you can shoot for 10 seconds and they oh, coach, I'm ready. And maybe they can. Maybe their bodies are, right. you know, adaptable at that young. But there's also a difference in just kind of getting your body and your mind ready to work out. And so, again, it just comes back to those building those habits. Yeah. I'm also uh, an ice bath person. So, I like, and I think there's, there's uh, a lot of, I think, with athletes you know, just working on the breath, that discomfort that it gives. I mean, you said you've been doing it. I'll ask you, you've been doing it for a while now. Uh, you've adapted, right? Absolutely. Like, you know, I think, when they're... <laughs> yeah, you know, oh, it's yeah. so, so I remember, you know, also to do this gym I go to had like the coldest shower on the planet that I've ever. And, you know, now I'm like, it's not, it doesn't do it, you know? Um, yeah. But I think just that the mental exercise of, of going through that discomfort, learning about your breath and a little bit of regulation through those, those stress. I think it, uh, not only the recovery, but some of the the mental training you can get in the ice is, is great too. Um, it and, it, and it's fun to mess with your buddies when they're freezing, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. I got an 
high school kids, you know, football play, they think they're tough and they get in that. And I'm like, man, you got to get your head under, you know, they're going up to their shoulders. And I'm like, come on, man, that water's 45. That's nothing. Yeah. But uh, it'll make a man of you quick for sure. For sure. Um, uh, you brought up the Stanford because I had a question about that. You were, you were speaking to Stanford about proprioception, right? Is that right? Can you, can you talk us, uh, give us a little definition for our listeners and then uh, tell us a little bit more about what you're talking about there? Yeah, so they just, you know, they wanted to talk about ankle injuries, you know, specifically and just things that, you know, I do with – and I had a few of my physical therapy buddies on that call with me um, just to kind of talk about what they do from a point, you know, once the injury occurs. And then once they kind of get cleared and give them over to the, you know, basketball trainer, like, hey, so-and-so tore their ACL or, hey, they broke their ankle or, hey, they, you know, had a bad ankle sprain. Now they're coming back to me. and and again, I just, it, the quicker we can get them back into, you know, reacting instead of just telling them what to do, it, it's just so much better. You know, players, they go through this physical therapy and they're being told what to do. They do this thing over and over again. And then all of a sudden they get with me and I'm like, hey, you know, we're going to do this and you have to just react. And it's totally different. And they'll say, oh man, my ankle feels, you know, so much better, like, I'm not thinking about it. I was kind of scared. You know, I was doing stuff and I was timid because I was, you know, giving on it and all that. So I just try to get them back into, you know, live. And again, if it's a bad injury, obviously we're going to, you know, start very basic, but it's not going to be anything I'm telling them to do. It's going to be something that's reacting. And, and so, um, you know, they just, those people are really smart. I mean, you you own there with a couple Stanford, it it humbles you very quickly. uh, Just the questions they ask and, and the things they say and, they're actually trying to create a technology. I can't give too much of it away, but where it's almost like, um, you know, where some of these, some of these uh, technologies that you put on players that kind of keep up with how intense they are, how their heart rate is, how they're breathing, yeah. those type of things. But it's it's more for you know kind of keeping up with injuries of the ankle, of the knee. So it's that same type of technology. Um, but they're making, you know, the stuff they talked about was just like, wow. I mean, if that ever, you know, becomes, and, and again, I talked about what well, that probably would hit professional teams, you know, with the pricing before it would hit a college team. And that's how most everything goes. It's professional. A couple of years later, it trickles down to college and it trickles down to high school and junior high. And so, um, but yeah, it was just, you know, probably an hour, hour and a half conversation that, um, you know, talked about the technology and just, you know, they asked a lot of questions, which was crazy because i thought you know i was going to be asking a lot of questions but it was uh it was the other way around and so really neat experience sounds like a a cool project to be a part of um some other uh i know you've uh drew hanlon you worked with him right what what uh he's he's like you know man a myth the legend what uh is there something that uh tell us something about drew about what makes him special and, and why people go to him well you know he um he's always been an extremely hard worker and you know he started off in belmont and i actually worked with a guy even before i actually met drew we got recruited by a lot of the same schools and a lot of the same coaches so i'm a few years older than him and so we would always have that kind of connection and then i actually worked with a guy that was his college teammate at belmont and so you know he would say man he was just such a hard worker and he would tell us things that we were just like, man, get out. Like this young kid's like not that great of a player, 
but he's telling us like, dude, I'll work with the best players in the world one day, you know? And he's like, dude, okay, whatever. You know, he just laugh and he would be, you know, they'd be out partying and he'd be in there making drill books. He said, I can remember him literally like, Hey man, I'm making this drill book. I'm, I'm trying to give it out to coaches. And he was giving away, you know, free resources. Yeah. Um, and he would literally like practice with his Belmont team, fly to Florida, work out Bradley Beal, fly back the next day, practice with his Belmont team. I mean, it was that type of work ethic. So I think, you know, I think everything that he's been given, you know, obviously he's very savvy. He's got a business mentality, you know, mm-hmm. and he's, he's a marketer, you know, he's, he's going to make his money, but at the same time, he's, he's got the work ethic to back it up. Mm-hmm. And he's worked with, he's worked with those guys when they were younger in his city. And, you know, he was such a hard worker. I think some other parents and some other players said, well, you know, I want to work that hard. I want to try to, you know, get in the gym as much as him. The difference is, you know, they were not five eleven guys. Yeah, that were unathletic. Yeah. They were they were guys that were, uh, you know, all American players, and so he he's helped you know be a part of those guys' journey from a very young age. And obviously, when you get a David Lee and a Bradley Bill at a young age, and their kind of their careers are kind of going together, obviously their success helped yeah. his success. And um, you know, he's created his own website. He and you know, he built his brand, and so um, you know, it doesn't hurt when Jason Tatum comes along at. 13, 14 years old and says, Hey, I, you know, like he worked out at Bradley Bill. I need to get, you know, get with this guy too. And Jason had a great dad. He was a great high school coach, a great player, played back, you know, close to my time and and mom that, you know, got him in different things. And it's, it's not just because of Drew, these guys are having success by any means, but man, he's a big part of their journey. And that's what I try to tell the players is, you know, when, when you get, when you become successful, you get a college scholarship, you, you know, whatever it is, you're at all state, whatever. I'm not going to be the person that's, you know, online, you know, saying, Hey, look at, you know, beating my chest and saying, look at my success. I'm a very, very small part. It takes yeah. so many people and so many different friends and, and, and diff, you know, parts, part of the culture to be a, to be a great player. And so, um, you know, when it goes back to Drew, I just think like he's, he's earned it. He's worked his butt off. And, uh, you know, right now he's reaping the reward. I mean, he got the MVP that he's, that he's, you know, and I never forget, like, that's a that's a kind of a crazy story is he told me when I was out in L.A., he said I was I was in Vegas. And he said, literally, Joel Embiid just walks up to me and I'm sitting there at Vegas, you know, in the summer. And he says, hey, man, like, I want to start working out with you. You know, you've worked like you worked out Andrew Wiggins, you know, they're both Kansas guys. Yeah. And he said, I'm working out with you. And Andrew was just like, I was kind of like, OK, you know, uh, 9 a.m. tomorrow, Los Angeles, St. Bernard's High School. It's like, OK. And he's like did not think he would show up and there he goes next day there he is at 9 a.m and i'm just like okay and and it's like and they haven't missed you know a summer i don't think since that time and so um you know again guys trust him i think he um he he does a good job of building relationships and and he you know bs him he tells him like hey man and he and he does film work for him and so he's earned everything he gets you know some people i know he sometimes I, I sure I tell him, you know, I used to tell him like, man, sometimes you kind of become your own worst enemy on Twitter. You know, guys will get on him. I see but, that. Yeah. yeah. He, you know, and he does, he's going to take up, you know, he's going to knock, you know, Jokic a little bit and, and pump up MB, but that's his guy at the end of the day. I mean, he's got to, you got to do that. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I don't fault Drew. I, I mean, he's given me a great opportunity and, and allowed me to build my business in, in Northwest Arkansas. And so, um, man, I can't, I can't thank him enough. And, yeah. um, He's a hard worker and he's, 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 uh, cool. re- rewards right now. For sure. No, I think, uh, the haters are always going to judge, but, uh, right. yeah, he doesn't, sure. he, there's a, there's a reason, like you said, creating drill books when your buddies are out drinking, uh, and, and the dedication to the craft, 
uh, reaps the rewards. I think those stories are great for people to hear because it's not like he just made up some drills and these NBA guys showed up, right? Absolutely. What um, I think is, is is a great thing that, you know to ask you as well. I think one thing I always talk to athletes and coaches about is is how do we build trust, you know, amongst our team and the, whether it's our trainers or whoever we're working with. Because when you, I can only push you as far as you trust me, right? And I think how to, and I think when you have a trusting relationship between player, coach, and team, you can push each other, and, and that's going to you know create great comp, healthy competition for you to thrive. Um, are there things that you do, um, you know, there, I mean, obviously different kids, different tactics sometimes, but what, what you do to develop trust with athletes as you get to know them. And then, like you said, you know, you're seeing video of them, you're going to tournaments of them, those little things continue to, to build trust. Um, but how important that is, is that to you as you start to work with a new athlete? Oh, it's extremely, that's the number one thing. I mean, it's, it's, and it's takes so long to build it. And it's one bad, you know, again, we're in the high school portal, one bad conversation, one bad interaction, one bad, hey, I heard you said this, you know, it, it can it can ruin it. And so trust is extremely important. I think, number one, creating an environment where players feel psychologically safe, like I can make mistakes. Yeah. I can say something wrong. You're not going to take it personal. I can ask great questions and you're not going to, you know, take it personal. I think that's number one is just building that, you know, environment where players can interact with you and like, Hey, you're a kid at the end of the day and I'm a grown adult and I'm not going to, you know, let my ego get in the way of, you know, something that I say or you say. Um, and that takes a lot of patience. It takes a lot of time, but it's, it, it's again, what you just said is building trust is, like going to camp games today all day and interacting with parents and interacting. And when I try to walk in the gym, you know, Mike neighbors is at the university of Arkansas here. And I've never seen a guy walk into a gym and work a, work a gym, work a room like neighbors. And so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be a mini Mike neighbors and I'm not, I'm not the used car salesman, but I'm going to make sure I go and speak to every parent. I'm going to speak to every coach. I'm going to speak to every player that I know. That I interact with, even if it's just a fist bump, like, Hey girl, you know, good game. Yeah. It's, it's, or I can just sit up there and sip my coffee and just sit in the corner and, you know, let people come up to me or I can be a Mike neighbors. I can be a guy that's going to go around and be authentic and how's, how's things going. Hey, last time I talked to you, I remember this, yeah. whatever it is. And so I think building, you know, trust being around coaches. My biggest thing is, is building relationships with coaches in my area because if you're working with their players, you know, they got to be able to trust you. They got to yep. be able to, you, they got to be able to respect you. A lot of guys, like you may know everybody, but they really don't respect what you do. They've seen you train players. They hear what you say and what you do and, and with interactions with players. And so, you know, that it, I think it starts, you know, as far as my profession with training is, is the high school coaches. And then obviously, you know, being able to build trust over time, you know, I let players come in anytime they want player reaches out to me. Hey, I'm going to work out. Hey, this is the time. This is where we'll be come and work out. If you like it, come on back. And if you don't like it, I'm not for you. See you, you know, hit the road. We'll see you. I'll see you during the season and whatever, but, yeah. um, you know, and, and I'm not for everybody. I don't expect to be for everybody. Yeah. Just who I am. And right. we, you know, if they come in, like it we just we just kind of build build from there but um but i do i try to make it you know it, it's not just the on the floor stuff it's I, I go to as many high school games and junior high games throughout the year boys and girls i mean i i went to 
so, so many. And, and, and like I've been to so many camp. I mean, my whole summer is during the day. It's like go to team camps during this time of the year. And then during the yeah. evenings, I, you know, train players. And so um, building relationships, it's, it's very time consuming. You know, it's gotta be, you know, you gotta, there's, a lot of guys, like I'm the whitest guy in America. You know, it's, it's been the summer. I haven't been to the pool one time yet. I mean, we are in June. It's been hot since, you know, mid, mid-May. mid But yeah. it, I'm in a gym somewhere, and I'm trying to trying to help players and be around. And not because, you know, uh, I'm just trying to – it's because I love basketball. I love, you know, being around the game, being around coaches. That, that's that's kind of my people, you know, being around players. It's always been that way. And so, you know, that's kind of what kind of what it's been. Uh, as we wrap up one last question uh, uh could put you into a uh, time machine to go visit 16 year old john shooting some hoops maybe somewhere in the driveway um through all your coaching and playing and experiences what uh what advice would you want to give 16 year old self man you know that's a great question you know when i when i was 16 what you just said was shooting hoops somewhere would be exactly what I've been doing. I, I was, I was a gym rat and I mean, I still am. And, um, you know, if I could tell that guy anything, you know, I, I, I did all the habitual stuff. I really feel like I did everything I could do to become the best player I could be. And I felt like every year of my, you know, entire career, I got better. You know, I felt like I, t- I think I've said this on a podcast before my junior and senior year, of college, you know, I led the Sun Belt Conference. I was like top three and three pointers made, and I was led the league in shooting percentage. Yeah. So, you know, a six foot white guy, you know, from a small town of Missouri, leads a Division One conference, and I and I felt I really felt like my junior and senior college. I was in my mind, I was like, I'm just now starting to get really good. You know, I'm really starting to understand the game from a deeper you know perspective. And I'm really starting, and then my career was over. And I did, you know, I had opportunities. I had all the lands, you know, the Greenland, the Poland, the Iceland to play <laughs> professional. But yeah. you know, it was something that time I wanted to become a, a graduate assistant coach in college, and was given that opportunity. If I could say anything to myself, it would be, you know, see see the big picture more because it was like you. I was thinking about right then, right now. Instead of, I, I think I let be trying to be the best player I could be use me a little bit as opposed to, you know, and I did, I, I, I saw the big picture from, from a small standpoint, but I think just trying to use the game to, you know, refine myself a little bit more instead of letting me, you know, like you talked about the recovery stuff and uh, man, it was just like the more is better, you know, back then I think that's what everybody thought, you know, more is better. So I, I would say, you know, maybe maybe see the big picture a little bit more like we talked about earlier. And, um, you know, that would probably be what I would say. That's, that's a tough question.